Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, man. Well, how's it going? Good. Doing well. New month. Uh, no complaints here. Yeah. It's always weird starting a new month on a Monday. I feel like it's just <laughs> like, um, I don't know, like you just hit the hit the ground running. It's a new month. Start from day one. Yeah. Um, although it'll be sort of a shorter month, I guess, with Thanksgiving and everything. But uh, yeah, here we are in November. Yeah, we... Uh October was uh, not the best month for me personally, but uh, have moved past that. And like I said, it's a new month and I'm uh, I'm doing a lot better. So appreciate all the, the nice comments from people that I've heard from and stuff. So, yeah. Mm. Did you get some uh, DMs or emails or replies from one of the last ones? Yeah, yeah. I've gotten a few. Uh, it's been It's been really great. And... Also, just uh, some general podcast feedback from people as well, uh, which I was going to oh, share really? with you, which is, yeah, just that, I mean, I'm always surprised when people reach out and say they listen, they enjoy it, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a black hole. Um, yeah. But yeah, in particular, just that uh, I've heard from a couple other solo founders who have gone through similar challenges and appreciate hearing you know, not only the wins, but also the struggles as well, um, mm. which was reassuring for me personally, because I feel like the last couple episodes has just been uh, me complaining a whole heck of a lot. So uh, <laughs> only only the lows and only the struggles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So hopefully people haven't had to suffer through that too much, but no, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. It's good to hear. Um, I wish I had some of that, that feedback too. I, uh, I feel like I rarely hear from, from listeners. And, um, so if you're a listener and you've got ideas, questions, comments, ideas, there's that zip message link you can, uh, or you can always just DM us on Twitter or email us, um, mm-hmm. find us literally anywhere. But, uh, that's really cool. That's good. I mean, it, it always, that sort of stuff too. I feel like from the last, you know, couple of weeks that you've been dealing with the stuff that you feel like, you know, in like the world generally you're like oh my gosh why do i have to deal with this and it just feels like you're like one of the only ones but like in our small circle and sort of sphere our world it's like super super common <laughs> right so mm-hmm. um, it's always good to hear that you're not alone you know it's not a it's not a new problem or a new issue a new struggle yeah and i've got to mention uh i was listening to startups for the rest of us episode number 572 which we can link to and I swear, I, I felt like Rob was like talking to me personally <laughs> because he's basically saying like that the episode was all about how, you know, a lot of us start companies to avoid, you know, to not have a boss any longer and to take mm-hmm. on that additional responsibility. And it's like, well, yeah, when you take on that addi- additional responsibility, then the buck stops with you and uh, not everything is your fault, but it is your responsibility your your problem to solve uh and so yeah i felt i felt like he was talking to me he also said something like if you're not happy along the journey then 
you're not going to be happy when you sell for a million uh, or when you, when you exit the business, when you hit a million ARR, when you hit 5 million, 20 million ARR, like it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you're never going to be happy. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an awesome episode. If, if there are other people out there who are going through struggles as well, that's, that's what I definitely recommend. Yeah, that was a good one. I love the, uh, the Rob solo adventure episodes. Those have been really fun. (laughs) Just kind of let him yeah. go off and monologue and talk about stuff that I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have thought about before. Um, so it's like a good format to kind of like bring up new content and stuff that I don't know, you just wouldn't hear anywhere else. My, my sort of takeaway from that one also was um, I was thinking um, this is like different from, from, you know, what you got, took away from it or like the way that you sort of heard it. But my, the way that I heard it, some of the content was basically like, I forgot that it's like, it's, it is extremely difficult and that some people might not like that type of challenge and adversity. I'm sort of, you know, I'm not saying that again, cause I think that you're the same way, but just that like, it didn't occur to me that like some people don't like taking responsibility for that sort of stuff and just will like throw up their hands and be like, Oh, well, sorry, that didn't work out. Or like someone else would deal with this and then just like, I don't know, not deal with that thing or shut the company down. And actually, I think maybe it was, I don't want to say in case I'm wrong, but there was someone on Twitter who I feel like I remember them referencing that episode and being like, oh, just learn this the hard way. Like invested in a a company in June and in August, they shut the company down. (laughs) I was like, Mm, what in the world? I would be so (laughs) pissed. Like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. How did I mean? I would hope that they returned the money at least, and they didn't burn through it in two months. That'd be kind of kind of wacky. But just the idea that like, I don't know. I've always been the type of person to be like, everything is my fault, and like I just have to deal with it. And like whatever comes my way, I'm just gonna figure it out. Obviously, that's hard, right? So it's good to like be reminded of that. But um, that was just one of the other things that came to mind when I heard that episode. Of just like responsibility and ownership and just like it is not for the faint of heart and um because a lot of these things will come up and you have to be able to take ownership and responsibility for them yeah yeah and i think like you said that's it's a good reminder too because in our community you know indie hackers bootstrappers like it does draw a lot of the types of people who are willing to take on that challenge so it feels common to us but it's like you said it's actually pretty uncommon Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of uh i've been meeting a few different people uh at the co-working space and just like more people in general in person lately and almost nobody has heard of webflow and it's like it always surprises me a little bit because like i live in that world now and whenever i meet someone you know outside in the real world even if they work in software uh, or, or tech or whatever, there's a good chance they've never heard of Webflow. And it's like, yeah, we're just, we're surrounded by a lot of like similar like-minded people. And it's always good to, uh, take a step back and, and have that outside perspective of, you know, what, what the world is actually like. <laughs> right. Right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, um, I always had to challenge myself to like, try to see the world differently than how I literally see it because you know, you have all these biases and habits and 
things that you're all enveloped in and then you completely forget about everyone else and how they see the mm-hmm. world and what they experience and all the things that are familiar to them. And, um, there's like a specific word for it. I forget. I think I covered it briefly in uh, mental models for marketing, but it's like a, a thing that we're all prone to where basically we sort of get this tunnel vision for how we see the world. And then, but then the problem is when we learn to use that as sort of like the source of truth. And so mm. we use ourselves as like a, well, I use Webflow, So like everyone must know it or be familiar <laughs> with it or, you know, uh, you know, I see the merits of bootstrapping. Um, everyone else must see this way too. And like, you just can't use yourself pretty much ever as like the limbus test for worldviews and perspectives and trends. Yeah. Especially, and even as you change over time, like there are things that I believe now that two years ago, three years ago, you know, I, I had just had no information about, no knowledge of, or, um, <laughs> one of my favorite things is whenever I see someone, uh, you, you know, on a form or whatever, say they want to create a SaaS for passive income, because I used to think exactly like that. <laughs> and now I'm like, right. <laughs> it is extremely rare that SaaS is passive income. It, it's, and if it is, it's probably not going to last very long. No, uh, there's no way. But yeah, yeah, it's, uh, no, I agree with what you're saying. It's good to hear though, uh, all that yeah. off of, um, the feedback and, uh, people experiencing things that you've experienced. Um, I don't know. Sympathy is like as much needed in the world of entrepreneurship. <laughs> no, totally. You can never have too much of it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? How have things been? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Halloween isn't my favorite, um, <laughs> holiday. Uh, it's probably my least favorite, to be honest. It's kind of a hassle. I don't know. Um, and I'm an adult with no kids, so there really isn't like all that much for someone like me to do. <laughs> so yeah. we just kind of have like a casual get together with family. Um, so the weekend was really low key. The week before that, I've been, I don't know, I felt kind of silly writing notes because I was like, dang it, I can't really talk about what I'm working on exactly. But I've made some good progress on sort of the, the super secret project, I guess, um, <laughs> mainly doing a lot of outreach administration stuff. Um, possibly soon some more like public marketing around it. Um, but otherwise I also had these white files office hours session for October, which was the first one that I offered and went really, really well. It was a lot of fun. I covered product hunt in the first half. <clears throat> I should say the first, like, three fourths. So I was planning on spending like 30 minutes on, you know, like content and then like another 30 minutes on Q and a ended up of course going a little bit long and spending like 45 minutes on product hunt and presentation stuff. <laughs> and then like another like 20 minutes on Q and a and, uh, some members had written in, uh, I think like four or five really thoughtfully crafted questions. And so I had time to sort of prepare for those and create some extra slides and, uh, it felt good to, I don't know. It's, it's funny because it's so much easier to create content when people are like literally asking for it than when you're like, Oh, this is something that people would like. I want to write something about this. Um, Mm -hmm. 
because before I, you know, I had had in my, my notes, like, Oh, I should like really just like create a presentation around product hunt. And like, I know that that's something useful. People search about for it. People ask me about it all the time. Um, but they haven't like directly asked me for it. They've asked me about it, but then, you know, I promised this. Um, and of course, you know, in like a day I had like a full, like 30 slide presentation that was super detailed with screenshots. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is a breeze. Like, why haven't I done this earlier? <laughs> and then the same thing for questions too. If people write in a question and it's about, you know, attribution and, um, SMS marketing for SaaS and, uh, you know, things I hadn't really thought about. I'm like, oh, I can just bang this out in half an hour. And sure enough, I have like really interesting content that just came out of nowhere because someone asked me, Whereas mm -hmm. if I think I had, if I had like tried to sit down and thought of this stuff, I probably would have agonized over it for a couple of days and, you know, overthought it. And, uh, so anyways, got a lot of really good content out of it, uh, that I'll probably reuse some of it for other content modules and or the replay is also available in the archive in there as well. So it's fun to see that grow. And, um, so yeah, it was a nice way to kind of cap off the month. Um, and uh, that's awesome. probably the highlight of the week. Yeah, and I mean, you are like the product hunt expert at this point. You have a number <laughs> of hits on product hunt. Uh, I want to make like a, a terrible analogy, uh, but I don't. I don't know enough about this world. But basically, like, you know how the, in uh, like pop music, there's the like behind the scenes people. I don't know if they're like songwriters or what that they're, are responsible for like a number of different pop hits with different artists and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I feel like that is you with product on launches. <laughs> no. Yeah. Two, two dinners. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Like, like yeah, how many like, number ones do you have? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no number one hits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's like... You've got a few. Right. There's like 10 uh, songwriters that have like 90% of the number one hits in the last couple decades or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, no, that'd be, that'd be fun. I, there's probably a couple of hunters like that who have been responsible for a lot <laughs> of number one products of the day, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping it'll produce a lot more number ones of the day asynchronously, like indirectly without me. Um, thanks yeah. to the workshop. But, uh, yeah, I talked about Peter, Peter Soom and his product on launch a little bit as well. Cause he was asking me questions beforehand and he studied what me and Derek did, uh, for savvy Cal. And, um, I've had some other people reach out about it, uh, as well and had some pretty good results and, you know, there's always like the, the fine details and stuff like that. So actually I think I need to like pair it with like a post as well. Um, probably, yeah, grab the transcript or something like that. It'd be pretty easy, but, uh, yeah, it feels good to have that. I, th I think I might actually make that like a, a public kind of resource eventually in some other mm. form, maybe like a lighter form. Cause it's one of those things that like is so, it's so applicable. I mean, everyone, everyone it's knows like for a lot. Yeah. It's like a really good, like gateway drug to marketing. You know, it's like, Oh, if you do product not well, then like, what about all these other things? And like, here's how you actually do it. Well, as you build non-needs beforehand and to do that, you need X, Y, and Z. And so let me tell you about yeah. SEO and building an email list and email marketing and, um, so it feels like a good kind of entry point for swipe files. So we'll see. I'll have to do something with that. I still haven't made any progress on the, uh, like 
uh, freemium workshop version for swipe files to kind of entice new members. I kind of stalled on that a little bit on the content. I'm not exactly sure what the best like title or like thing to cover is. Maybe it is product. <laughs> I don't actually know. <laughs> uh, I kind of thought of something like dissecting growth strategies of a couple of companies and like showing, you know, how to reverse engineer what they're doing well. Um, anyways, it's kind of a tangent, but we'll see. Hmm. So the, is the office hours that's every week you're doing that now? Uh, once a month, once a month. Okay. Yeah. Last Wednesday of every month. And is there always a, a, well, do you plan on having a topic like product on, or is it more just whatever people ask for? Yeah. Yeah. I plan on always having some sort of like innovative cutting edge strategy that I can cover that may or may not be like, uh, useful or sort of like could stand alone on its own in a course. So like could be related to something in the course, but like could also not be and just be sort of like storytelling or something interesting or like too granular for something in a course. Um, but yeah, always having something. So I have a list on the site that's public that people can see of like what I plan on covering in the next couple of months. Um, and then the second half will always be reserved for Q and a, but that way there's, there's always something to draw people in that might spur questions, uh, in particular as well. And that way office hours will always happen. Awesome. I'm going to have to try to make the next one. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun to have people live. That's pretty much it for me though. Um, any other updates or new stuff on your plate or other thoughts? Uh, before we jump to me, I, I saw you also had a fun tweet about your uh, October, what was it? September versus October payouts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was on the first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, so last month was great. I'll, I'll link to the tweet. But um, in September, my, you know, basically the payout from September was just over seventeen seventeen hundred dollars and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's going wrong. It's trending in the wrong direction. October, completely different story. Almost seventeen thousand dollars in in payout uh that I received on, you know, today, November first. Mm -hmm. Um not exactly the high of like I'm a genius and, you know, I'm doing <laughs> king of the world now. Look at me, I'm doing everything right. But uh yeah, I just thought it was a as a funny like contrast of like, I couldn't have, I, I think September was my lowest month so far and October was my highest, highest month so far. And of course they're back to back. Right. So it's just of like, course. I couldn't resist, but you know, contrast the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was good. That actually leads, uh, very well into a topic I've, I wanted to talk about that I've been thinking about. Mm. Uh, so one of the things I've been working on is, like my own personal stress management and just trying to like reduce things that are causing me stress or anxiety or uh, both. And one of them is MRR notifications. Uh, mm -hmm. And so you just put it perfectly like the highs of seeing a notification come in for a new customer 
are actually much smaller now than the lows of getting notifications seeing a customer cancel their churn. And it took me a long time to realize this, but I started noticing like, you know, I could get the the email at any time, whether I'm having dinner with the family or, uh, you know, glance at, glance at my Apple watch and see like, oh, customer cancel. It's just like, there's this little hit of, you know, well, maybe it was someone I talked to, uh, via support before. And I'm like, oh, well that sucks. Or, uh, right. I wonder, I wonder why they canceled or, or what went wrong or, you know, maybe they just didn't need it anymore. But like all those questions start running through your head. And in the meantime, you're, you know, sitting at the dinner table with your family or something and, and not mm-hmm. fully there. Um, and I think in the beginning receiving the notifications you know, for new customers and and whatnot is extremely motivating because you're just like, you're just trying to make it work and it's like validation that it is working. Um, but at a certain point, yeah, it becomes, it becomes too much noise. Like I don't need to know every plus or minus of $10 of MRR at this point. Mm. Um, so I finally made the switch to Turn those off. Well, uh, turn off instant notifications. I'm I'm now, I've weaned myself off of that to daily notifications. Uh, so I get one each morning. Okay. And I'm working my way towards weekly. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. I feel like I remember um, Ben and Dara talking about this. When, and when Ben sort of like turned off the notification mm. feed finally because it was like too you know, up and down, you're just like glued to the screen looking for every new thing to like pop into the Slack channel and mm-hmm. notify you if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing and how your mood's going to change. Um, yeah, I could totally feel that. I, uh, I've never had, well, yeah, I remember this very distinctly from bare metrics because, you know, we had very specific growth goals and after a while I noticed that even when things were trending in the right direction, like you said, like the highs really kind of wear off because you see like a good notification and you're just like, okay, great. Like, I just want more <laughs> of that. Or like, do I, is right. there, are there enough of those? And like, okay, where's the next one? Like, come on. You know, you don't really feel like satisfied until you've reached some sort of arbitrary, you know, threshold or, or milestone, but every negative one, every contraction or churn cancellation is just like a, total like spirit killer <laughs> you're just mm-hmm. your mood is like completely fluctuates based on that especially if there's a couple in a row or like a larger customer that cancels right and then your whole like day and attitude and mood is thrown off and um and the hard part is i feel like i don't know i feel like the notifications are definitely probably like a net negative at some point like it definitely doesn't make sense once you reach a certain scale just because like the volume that come through but i sort of feel the same way almost about um some of the like reports and sort of like aggregate uh you know notifications if you want to call them that because when you said like daily or weekly i was also thinking like well you know if it's in the morning does that like affect the the rest (laughs) of your day but also I was like, well, if it's at the end of the day, does that affect like how you leave work and how you then go and hang out with your family? And if it's, if it's at the beginning of the week, does that affect the rest of your week? If it's at the end of the week, does that affect the weekend? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, it's, um, 
it's almost like you have to completely ignore it at some point. I don't know. At the yeah. same time, you want to you wanna see it, and it can be motivating as long as things are really trending in the right direction or if it's like the right amount of information. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's strange because like you still you want to feel like you know what's going on, but it's all like MRR is all a uh, uh, lagging indicator based on you know so many other factors. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I do think I might quickly move past the daily notifications. Uh, at least as of right now, it's been a huge improvement for me. Uh, but yeah, it may get to the point where I see that in the morning and go, Oh, well, you know, yesterday wasn't as good as the day before. Like, well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. If it's, so, if it's still green. It's, it's not as green. It's not as right. big yeah. of a number. Exactly. Uh, yeah. At some point you have to zoom out. You have to start looking at week by week, month by month year by year. Um, yeah, but definitely, definitely the instant anything happens is, is not, not helpful. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah. Well, good for so, you. That's uh, yeah. yeah, that's good to hear. I, I've, I've even thought about hooking up, um, member stack to Slack to get my own like activity feed. I think I still might do that because there isn't a lot and I feel like maybe I'm still in those like early enough days to where it can be motivating or good just to have like a pulse on what's going on. But for sure, I think I kind of enjoy like not having any sort of like reports. <laughs> I'm like, I have like no reporting at all <laughs> for this white files. <laughs> the only reports I really do are at the beginning of the month, like I'm about to do now for like the uh, investor slash advisor newsletter update. And that's like pretty much the only time I really look at the web analytics, the newsletter analytics, um, MRR and member growth. That's like pretty much the only time I look at it. And, um, I don't know if that's really a good thing or a bad thing, but I just feel like at this also when you're early enough, it really doesn't like help to, to keep a really close eye. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, like it becomes it's like more motivating in the beginning, but like less actionable. Whereas like later it's less motivating, but more actionable. Like all those movements. It's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not, if there's not too much volume, it can be useful. I think to like see, you know, people's emails and, and who is converting and signing up and, uh, and even reaching out to them one-on-one can be helpful, but, yeah, at a certain point, it's just it's just too much. Yeah, yeah. I've, in general, really, I, I the last week I've just really been trying to cut down on the amount of email I receive, turning off notif- you know certain notifications, certain alerts, um, unsubscribing from things, and it was weird, man. Like this weekend, my phone was so much more quiet than it normally is, and <laughs> it felt like really. Really like eerie, but really good too. <laughs> mm, yeah. 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 Uh, that's awesome. My, um, I'm probably on like the opposite end of the spectrum because my phone is like perpetually on do not disturb mode and I mm. have notifications for like basically nothing. 
Um, to the point where like I miss calls and texts from my wife. <laughs> she gets mad. <laughs> so you oh, know, no. don't take my advice, but um, I love it that way. I'm just, that's my like two cents there is especially for the phone. Like, yeah, I like have nothing going on my phone, nothing to my Apple watch. It's, it's peaceful. Uh, and it, it feels better to have like a, like, no, I go to, to you app, you know, when I want information from you <laughs> rather than mm. it always like pinging me and interrupting me and vying for my attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I want to get to. I think I've had this fear for a long time of, you know, something catastrophic happening and, uh, me needing to be able to jump on it right away. And if that does happen now, like I will get a phone call from the monitoring service that we use yeah. and it's like, yeah. it goes through everything. It goes through do not disturb. It's, it's like set up, um, like I'm getting that phone call. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily need to be getting every single email and every single text message. And, uh, yeah. I also really liked, um, I was listening to Andrew Wilkinson on my first million. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how he has the the Apple watch with like the cellular and he'll leave yeah. his phone at home and just take that. And I was like, Oh, that actually sounds like pretty intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of as like, almost like in my case, like I would use it as like a pager. Like if anything really bad happens, I'm going to find out. But otherwise right. like I'm going to have no phone on me and not have to worry about anything. Yeah. So you mentioned that. I might look I'd... into that. Seriously, yeah. After that, I was like, okay, how much is the new Apple Apple Watch? Yeah, I know, sounds, I know. That sounds really good. I actually really like that idea. Yeah, that's the main thing. What's like the cellular I mean, cost I, per month. Right. I um I take my phone everywhere, and it's mostly because of that. Like, well, just in case I I need it. Like, I'm also terrible with like directions, and I couldn't really like survive just like getting around <laughs> yeah. without it. Uh, but if there's an Apple Watch then you know you can always call someone, you can always text someone, people can always reach you. There's like just enough like function on an Apple Watch to use some like basic critical apps and even like listen to podcasts, which is the, another thing that I do or use my phone for a lot or music. Um, so if those bases are covered, then you can't have the freedom to to leave it, you know? Yeah. Go out and yeah, put the phone away. Yeah. Yeah, and there's enough friction with the watch where you're not going to be looking at it or trying to use apps or whatever. It's just right, right. It's actually it's not yeah. actually that like fun to use. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it just gets the job done. <laughs> yeah. For uh, for your information, I think they let's see. It says from three ninety nine. It's actually not that bad. I feel like. Well, actually, it's from, right? So that's what it starts at. Let me just see. Because I know my, my wife looked at it like a year or two ago. She really wanted like a certain style. It was like, I don't know, one of the nicer ones. But it was like $1,000. And we were like, wait, what the heck? I don't remember it being this much. <laughs> so we ended up not yeah. getting it. So I think we thought it was more around this this price range. Um, yeah, I think that there's quite a range depending on the materials and whatnot. Yeah. Okay, so GPS and cellular starting from 529. That's not horrible. Could be worse. That's a lot for a watch, but 
Yeah. A very functional watch. <laughs> Guess you're yeah, paying for the the peace of not having your phone. <laughs> right. Of not exactly. having your multi you know, your a thousand dollar plus phone on you. Yeah. Yeah. I've had my my Apple Watch now, I think it's a series two, I wanna say. So it's like pretty old school. Still works great, still charges great. Um I can't remember what we bought it for, maybe like two or three hundred bucks. It's just like a basic one. I wear it every day. Like I've definitely got my my money's worth from it. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a series three, same pretty old school and still works great. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll have to uh I'll make sure to link to the, that episode again. That was the one oh yeah, the my first million one, huh? Yeah. But yeah, really that's that's been it. Just trying to live the the Zen life, <laughs> the, the calm company <laughs> mantra. Um, we do have a new Webflow template ready to go, a uh, new clonable. Awesome. Another very high quality, well done clonable that I'm super excited to share with people. Uh, but the one thing that's holding it up is we're also trying to develop a new feature for it, uh, which is always ah. just, just one more feature. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, so yeah, the, the clonable is basically an FAQ section. Uh, it's got the JetBoost search and we are trying to add uh, search highlighting to the results. So like highlighting the terms that you search for. Oh, that's uh, a good idea. Yeah, this has been requested a decent amount and specifically for this use case like it's it's pretty useful and i don't know we, we just kind of got this idea of not launching just new clonables but also like things along with them uh like new mm. new power-ups and new boosters and all that so uh, right that's what we're trying to do with this one hmm. that's cool uh this is a random question but do you keep a change log for a jet boost no uh this is something that Noah has been pushing me on that, that we should, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's like using, well, okay. uh, no, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, why not? Or why haven't you more specifically? I think cause it was like one more thing to do. Hmm. Uh, but it's probably, it's, it's definitely something we should be doing. So I know there's, there's like headway is one of the apps that offers this. Uh, Help Scout just came out with a new feature that allows you to do in-app messaging, sort of, uh, like in-app mm. announcements, um, kind of like Intercom, I think, has provided for a long time. Is that different from so we, their beacon? Yeah, so it's like the, you have the beacon uh, that people can use for accessing help docs, for contacting support, and now you can also use the beacon to show uh, you know, feature announcements or, or other announcements in the app. Oh. Huh. So the thought was this like, oh, it's one more thing. Not super like well integrated with everything else that you do. Punt it to later. Yeah. That was the original well, thought. Punt it, punt it till two, two plus years later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what, what, uh, what was the reason you asked? Um, I just, I wasn't sure. Um, cause you, you know, like these little things, I feel like 
Well, I was just going to ask like how you normally communicate that. Um, if that's something that you were going to sort of like bundle in with uh, clonables and sort of, you know, marketing releases with some product updates and releases, but I just wasn't sure how you like normally communicate um, updates, improvements, features, if they like, you know, if there's something within the app or if it's like an email or people just, you know, see it or if there's like a, I don't know, place that you update normally. Yeah, that's uh, it's a really good question. So typically for large feature releases, uh, mainly new boosters, but also a few other things we have sent out an email. And then sometimes in that email I'll also include, uh, you know, farther down, like some other smaller minor updates and whatnot, new power ups and stuff. Um, but I do agree that for smaller features like these, it probably is time where we should be showing it somewhere in the app or in a change log or something. I think the, the other challenge with that I've had is most JetBoost customers aren't going into the JetBoost app regularly because once they've set it up on their right. site, right. unless they're going to set it up for another site or you know add new JetBoost features to their site or, or additional features, um, they're not in the JetBoost app. So it really is like, you know, email, uh, Twitter announcements, that type of outbound stuff. Um, but I think adding it in the app w would be, would be useful as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, um, I think I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to write this up somewhere because I feel like I have some unrealized opinions and thoughts about this that'd be applicable to swipe files. Um, Hmm. but especially for like indie indie hackers i don't know you know really small teams that kind of like product marketing discipline kind of gets like thrown to the wayside a little bit um there's nothing really wrong with that especially like very early stage um and ultimately you can really like get away from you can get away with not doing a lot of it because it's not really like critical to acquisition or retention all that much it's it's more like an, a, an adoption kind of function like just keeping people educated uh quickly getting adoption on new features just mm. you know feeling like you're keeping people in the loop and or satiating people's questions or bugging you <laughs> with feature requests or things like that you know if there's like a yeah a lot of like you know inbound people are banging on doors you know for new information then this can kind of like help quench that thirst a little bit too. Hmm. But uh, that said, there's an interesting like mix of things you can do between the change log and emails and in-app notifications and what deserves what kind of communication and when and what's the cadence and how much is too much and how granular do you get. And that's kind of, I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's a lot. It's a lot of detail. Um, I totally understand why you wouldn't want to do that, especially early on. Um, I'll just really quickly for Savical, something we've, we've been doing that's seemed to work pretty well and that people like so far is uh, Derek has a little headway beacon on the bottom right of the app, which is sort of part of the problem too. I just feel like there isn't like a great all-in-one solution for this or like place or 
I don't know, like design pattern, if you want to call it that, or just like how do people see these types of updates in the app without bugging them? There's also mm. like, because there's like Podia, for example, they do everything through intercom. And so like every new, you know, announcement or feature or update improvement gets its own like dedicated message that gets blasted out to, to everyone. I can understand that because something like Podia, people log into, you know, very often, uh, if not like all the time, especially when they're checking sales numbers and things like that. So that probably gets seen a lot. But uh, then like you have this big, long feed of a lot of messages, <laughs> right? Um, Data box flip side, is yeah, the same like, thing. Right, yeah. On the flip side, like something like SavvyCal, you might want to like separate those sorts of announcements from something like a chat widget. Or if you don't have live chat, which Derek does everything, everything through email, then you especially don't want that because you don't want people like writing in with, um, or, like responding to your feature announcement with a support request. <laughs> and then it's like, a, <laughs> this, like, you know, messy uh, help desk and, and inbox. Um, and then there's everything in between where like, you know, Webflow has their like, once you log in, there's like a little pop-up. Uh, and then there's some things that get like a full webinar and then there's some things that just get like a mention in the bottom of an email or at SavvyCal, we also do a, a monthly kind of roundup email of news and updates and marketing stuff all together. And so how do you decide what goes in there and how much detail to go into in an email like that? So, uh, anyways, that's a lot. Yeah. But it, I mean, it, what you guys are doing, it sounds like you've solved it fairly well. I think so. Yeah, I think for for SavvyCal, like for the user type and product, yeah. it seems to be working pretty well with having the announcements separate from the chat, live chat and then having like a monthly kind of roundup. That's like very, I mean, yeah, it's very like low maintenance, low key, easy to maintain. Again, people log into SavvyCal very often and so right they'll see that uh at the same time they they might also miss it and it might be something really critical to their workflow that might that we might want to see we might want to highlight again and so the email kind of solves for that as well um but every app is different yeah you you mentioned the term uh like feature adoption or, or just adoption earlier do you guys track that for SavvyCal? Mm, Derek might a little bit more than me. I don't have a lot okay. of visibility into it. Um, I don't want to spoil it too much, but we're sort of like doing some research right now for a new initiative. Uh, and so I, I'd, I had very basic questions like how many people use like, X, Y, and Z of like these like 12, you know, major features. Um, and like, just to like get a sense for how people are using it. So no, there's nothing that's like updated live that I know of or that I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've ne never had that for Jetboost or really anywhere that I've ever worked. <laughs> But like you hear really? about it as a thing that, you know, like tracking feature adoption and I don't know if that's the via tools like Mixpanel and Amplitude. I, I think so. 
um, or using like homegrown solutions or or what, but hmm. I don't know. It's it's a it's another one of those things where like I feel like it'd be useful, good to look at the data, but at the same time, like the feature's already built and it's out there, and if no one's using it, which I know there's some features in Jetboost like that, it's like well, it sucks we spent all the time building it, but mm-hmm. it's done now. <laughs> Right, you know, right. unless it's something that has a lot of support, but it probably doesn't have a lot of support if not a lot of people are using it. So, uh, yeah. Well, one of the things that that we uh, that we started doing at Bear Metrics was we would track feature ad- adoption, not really just for the sake of like knowing the information, but because sometimes it would, it would be a tell if someone was either like ripe for an upgrade or if they were like at risk to churn. Um, and also some of the like support issues as well. So for example, like when I was really pushing hard on the recover add-on, it's the Dunning tool. And so you had like a lot of different components like you could use. And a few were like really critical to set up to actually get value out of the add-on. And so there was uh, some of these major components like you wanted to you know, embed it onto your page and or set it up on a bare metrics subdomain um, you wanted to set up the automated emails. You wanted to set up like an in-app sort of banner or, you know, message or notification. Um, and then obviously you wanted to connect it to Stripe. And so most people would go through and they would like set up the payment method updater and they would connect to Stripe, obviously sort of like step one. And then they would get to the emails and then like basically no one would do the in-app message or a not- banner. And so, we were like, oh, like, hey, a lot of people are one, like leaving money on the table, but also like, you know, they're not getting as good results as some of our, you know, competitors are touting because they're not fully using the feature. We should like really push on this so that we can, you know, help people get better results and thus like make them less likely to churn. Um, mm. And that was for sure a thing. And then also like when people would ask about, hey, you know, interested in, I'm, I'm using recover, but like, so, so results, we could easily see like, oh, well, Hey, you don't have this thing like plugged in or like, it looks like you don't, you're not sending any emails. <laughs> like you need to actually send emails and like, oh, I thought it was just like a, like, yeah, duh. Like, you know, so anyways, having that sort of information on hand can be like actionable in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Might have to think about like, what what that would look like in Jetboost. Yeah. It's like usually it's onboarding related, which is like one big part of the funnel. It's something you want to, you know, solve for. And then after that, it's sort of a question of like expansion slash retention. And it could be that some things are really not critical to expansion retention. So in that case, like it only serves you for onboarding. And if that's not a big thing either, then like, Okay, it's not that not that useful. Um, even for Savicel, like for us, maybe it's even more interesting just to know what people are taking advantage of uh, for like a marketing purpose of like what do people really find valuable, and like mm-hmm. what should we highlight on the page versus you know what do we think is cool versus what people are actually using, um, or like pricing stuff, you know. So if you want to get an idea of like 
how people are using it so that you can structure plans and tiers and packages. Uh, that's another, another use case. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, hopefully I didn't, um, I didn't bore you too much about changelog stuff, but that's interesting. I just, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I never, I've never thought to ask about it. No, I think if anything, you've, uh, spurred me, spurred me on and, um, yeah, like I said, no, no has been pushing for it. Uh, I've probably been a little bit too stubborn and, uh, something we can probably get in there fairly easily. Yeah. I mean, I think the hard part is like all the, um, what's the opposite of sunk cost fallacy? It's like, you know, you've already done a bunch of work, but it hasn't like accounted for anything. You can't really like retroactively go through <laughs> and like update your change log or at least you don't want to. Right. So it's like one of those things you either want to do from the very beginning or like not mm -hmm. do it all basically. Um, cause like, ah, oh, man, I should have kept like a change log for swipe files, all the like updates and things and new content added instead of just like hoping people would stumble on it or they would like magically, you know, appear at the right place, right time. Um, the whole like content change log thing is a, another thought entirely, but you know, it is hard to like start later. <laughs> yeah. I will say, uh, another point in favor of this is when I was doing, I, I did a round of customer interviews over the summer and in a number of them, customers had feature requests that already existed in Jetboost. Uh, yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh no, <laughs> but yeah, they, they should know about that. So mm -hmm. yeah, surf surfacing new features. Yeah. We could, we could definitely do a better job of that. Yeah. 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 I think the main thing is like, I mean, it's just like customer marketing, right? Like usually the landing page and or whatever, like actively marketing to people who are not customers yet is the latest and the most updated version of the product. Mm. Mm -hmm. But what about everyone who signed up a year ago or even a few months right. ago, you know, like what do they know about it? Like, do they still think it's really cool and are they using it and are they excited about it? And so it's that like active drip of excitement and updates and things that can, yeah, help drive adoption and usage and retention. Yeah. Yep. I'm sold. <laughs> All right. Well, keep us posted. Yeah. See if I can, uh, yeah. Report back the next week, maybe, maybe two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a couple, give it a couple weeks, <laughs> give yourself a buffer. Yeah. Uh, Any last, other? last item on my list, I will uh, yeah. want to give a shout out to pageflows.com, which I just signed up for. Uh, it's only 99 bucks a year and it's like a really well done resource for um, basically they show screenshots and also video captures of uh, just a whole bunch of different SaaS apps, uh, maybe even non-SaaS apps as well. Uh, it's, it's an awesome resource for if you're designing new screens or reworking your onboarding, like you can go there and they have all the videos, all the images like tagged extremely, I would say like niche, like you can search for, uh, you know, creating a workspace and you'll find like 
three different apps that they've recorded videos of how you create a workspace in the in that app. Um, just just really well done, and uh, it was like it was one of those like no brainer purchases where, you know, I think if yeah if if you're designing a SaaS app, it's it's really helpful even just to see like other other apps, billing screens, you know, all all the basic stuff that mm-hmm. that you have to have sign up onboarding. Um, profile settings it's it's really helpful yeah yeah and it really is great i remember hearing his interview on uh the indie hackers podcast as well like a, a while mm. back and uh always being an admirer i feel his pain too because um there's like a weird balance between like how specific and granular do you get with your like tagging and filtering versus mm-hmm. like trying to have some like broader buckets so it's not like too granular. Um, but at the same time, it's nice to be able to like zoom into something as granular as like, uh, what was it the other day? I was looking at something and I was like, oh my gosh, there's something for that. And it was, um, <laughs> what was it? Uh, oh, starting a fast. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's like a whole category devoted to starting a fast. But hey, if you're building an well, app that has fasting incorporated into it, then there you go. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Cause you kind of had that, that same sort of tagging granularity challenge with swipe files, right? Yeah. Where totally. you, you had some broad categories, but then also some like very specific categories for each, each teardown. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. I don't know. This feels like it could warrant like a whole, philosophical discussion around like uh i don't know it's like best practices around apps and whatnot but like what do you give people the option to filter for versus search and like where is that line and like what are the how do you like name filters in a way that makes sense or is easily findable and or falls into some i don't know it's just like it's a very very deep rabbit hole <laughs> something that can drag mm-hmm. you nuts you just have to i don't know some of those things i feel like you just have to to do and then like go back and fix later on and maybe even you don't even need to fix it later and it's just fine like don't fix what isn't broken but uh yeah for swipe files it was like especially i think now that i have a or like a renewed focus on sas I want to get back to like the swipe file that I curate and maybe even some of the teardowns because it got pretty overwhelming trying to think through like all the different types of pages that someone could, could want for all sorts of different types of businesses and then how to tag them and categorize them in a way that actually made them discoverable. Um, because some aren't like specific to, you know, there's like, Oh, well, this is like all the types of pages that SaaS companies have. And these are all the types of pages that e-commerce companies have. And these are all the types of pages that a marketplace app might have. And there's like some overlap between them, but a lot of them are very specific to those types of websites or those types of apps. And so then what do you do? Like, do you just create a new category for each one of those? And what if it isn't clear that that category is only specific? I don't know. I could go on forever about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've seen it many, many times with JetBoost customers uh, who are trying to figure out the right level of granularity for oh, filters duh. that they yeah. set up. Yeah. yeah, It's like, yeah. 
uh, like it can be helpful to be super specific, but then if you end up with a list of, you know, 150 different filters to choose from without some additional discoverability, it's, it's really challenging for the end user. Yeah. The, the hardest part that I, the hardest thing that I encountered with, with it all was that not only were there different, um, like types of content, but it was like different mediums as well. So like the, the big three were landing pages, emails, and ads. Uh, and so, but what happens when there's an, uh, let's just say, let's just take onboarding, for example, like there could be an onboarding like page, there could be an onboarding email, and there could also be a, uh, an ad about onboarding. And so what happens when you search for onboarding and you like, how do I know what someone's looking for? And, or like, is, is it cluttered if someone's looking for things about onboarding versus something that is onboarding? Um, mm-hmm. or if it's like, uh, let's just say, I don't know, something about a competitor, you know, it's a competitor comparison page. It's a competitor comparison, ad, a competitor comparison, email, um, and so the, like, those are three different things that could all be in the same. And then you layer on any other filter or category like B2B or e-commerce or SaaS or mobile app or any other type of thing that you'd want to search for. And then it just gets immensely complicated. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I feel every JetBoost customer and Webflow customer's pain. I mean, it's just anyone in general <laughs> sort of like curating information really is what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's the right balance of discoverability. Like you can't just have the content. It also has to be discoverable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I, this could go down a whole other rabbit hole, but this is why I've sort of latched on to the, um, like networked thought sort of framework of, of thinking rather than like the folder structure. Uh, I was just listening. Oh, I was listening to the uh, Naval and Chris Dixon interview with Tim Ferriss. Um, I just like just finished it, but it's a really long interview and it's brand new. And so they're talking about crypto and web three and all that sort of jazz. But anyways, they were talking about this idea of skeuomorphism which was something that I think that Steve Jobs kind of used to describe taking offline ideas online. So like how do you create like the digital version of something? And so there were all these things like the desktop and like files and folders that were, you know, uh, skeuomorphic going from offline to online. And so you have your, your, your desk and your, your desktop with files and folders. And you make an online version of that for your desktop computer that also has files and folders of those files. But what happens when that doesn't work anymore? You have to create like a new, a new paradigm, like a new way of sorting through information, something that's internet native. So that's kind of what they talk about is like, like the internet doesn't need like files and folders. It can take like one giant stack of files and one folder quote unquote, and then like organize it for you instantly but like you can't do that in, in the real world offline a computer mm-hmm. can so like leverage that you know and or you can put things in multiple folders like uh again this goes back to swipe files which, are, which is why i bring it up but like 
I had to pick at some point these big buckets of what something fit into based on their medium. So there was landing pages, there's emails and there's ads. Uh, but then my like search and filtering is sort of boxed into looking through those three instead of across those three. Right. And that sort of like, you know, that's like the, the start of this whole pain <laughs> for me. And like why <laughs> I thought about it so deeply is because then it's just like, Oh, well everything needs to go backwards and forwards and across. And, uh, and it really does take like a new way of thinking rather than this sort of like skeuomorphic old way of doing things with files and folders and the whole like, you know, categorizing information in certain ways that tries to be helpful, but ultimately isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you understand in your mind how the things are related and you've built like the, the mental graph or, or network in your head of, uh, like you said, going across mediums and across categories. And, um, yeah, it's, it's hard, at least with the tools we have today to really show that. Yeah. Or at least it's hard to like construct, uh, mm -hmm. yourself because you're used to everything working in files and folders in this very like categorized hierarchical way. So to actually create something that isn't just takes like a lot of mental power and like, you know, some software superpowers that enables you to do that, like breaks out of the mold of what, how most things work. Um, so yeah, I'll, I digress. <laughs> Could go on forever about it. No, what the, uh, your comment on skeuomorphism, skeuomorphism made me think of was how the save icon is a floppy disk. Right. right. It's like, I always wonder like what, what do kids today who, you know, have never probably seen a floppy disk in real life. Do they just think like, Oh, that's the save button and, and have no idea what the actual like icon is or mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I know. It really is bizarre. Um, it's like all these new things being invented they don't have like a physical representation and so you know the advantage of using like a floppy disk is there was some sort of mm -hmm. you know like assumption about what this is and how it works it's like oh this gets you know uh this gets copied on somewhere right so there's a, a backup version of it but then what happens when that like no longer is communicated and or there isn't like a an offline version of it or something that you can reference that you have to teach people and educate people and do all that work right. up front. Yeah. Hmm. I guess that, that Very, uh, just leads us to meta. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was going to say very, very philosophical uh, software <laughs> discussion today. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Yeah, that's all oh, I got. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm ranting at this point, but I'll have the links to those. Uh, Starts the rest of us: Andrew Wilkinson, Page Flows, Chris Dixon, and Nabal in uh, in the show notes. Anything else before we close? No, you're on top of it. Cool. Well, um, if anyone has any questions as well, we love the feedback. 
we'd love to, for it to be a two-way conversation. Your voice might even make it into the podcast as well. If you record using our little zip message app, you're always welcome to DM us as well. And we'll see you in the next one.